0: Oborn and Heller on Cricket, brought to you by the Chiswick Calendar.
1: Hello, it's a sultry day here in Wiltshire.
2: Hello, it's an overcast and rather windy day here in uh, south-east London. And now we have one of the most learned
1: of our guests today, Richard.
2: We certainly do. A um, guest we've welcomed before, he's always welcome for his, his um, erudition and his overall contribution to the game, particularly his contribution to Wisdom, of which he's the international editor. Welcome back, Stephen Lynch.
1: Hello. Uh, Stephen Lynch compiles the obituaries in Wisdom. And um, they are the, Richard and I both find them completely extraordinary. It's not just about cricket but as a kind of social history of cricketers around the world and this year is no no exception.
2: Very much so. Just before we get into it there's always an astonishing variety of lives covered in Wisdom's obituaries and um, just wondered how how you find them and, and how they're compiled and Wisdom obituaries mean such a lot to people or the families of people uh, that I just wondered what's the sort of qualification for getting one.
0: Uh, Well, thank you for that. I'm glad they're they're captivating you. I suppose that's the idea. Um, The starting point, I suppose, is that they are first-class cricketers to start with or Test cricketers. There are big websites like Crickinfo that keep a list of people that they know have died. So I I guess that's the starting point. But I think it would be pretty boring if it was just. This chap played twenty-seven times for Kent or something. Uh, so we keep an eye out on all the other uh, on newspapers and websites and Twitter. I often announces that so and so has died and was very interested in cricket. That that doesn't necessarily get you in, but uh, I think there should be a a good mixture. So we've we've got we've got a few non-cricketers and a few famous people who you might be surprised to learn were interested in cricket. And someone like the Duke of Edinburgh who was. Very keen on cricket, but obviously did rather a lot of other things as well.
1: Yes, I can by the way, complete wonderful uh, portrait of the Duke of Edinburgh, who actually was very keen on cricket. Can I, is it rude to ask who wrote it?
0: <laughs> uh, not very rude, because it was me. <laughs>
1: I thought it was uh, a beautiful. Yeah. It was a beautiful yeah. account.
0: It, it was. I, f- I found it quite difficult because he didn't know quite. He's it, obviously not just a cricketer, and but you don't want pages and pages of trips to Easter island and stuff so so i took the view that most people knew who he was and just mentioned the sort of royal connection and then sailed a bit into the sport.
1: And, well he obviously and, loved the game which was uh, that that came over he was always at lords and he knew a lot of the cricketers he had a, little, a team as it, as it, as it, as, it, as it, you explain you know, with all the greats in it you know Leslie and dennis compton and so on.
0: yeah i like the scorecard from that one someone was Cook Brown, which was Freddie Brown, bold Edinburgh. It said in the <laughs> and you quote you call. quote him. He wrote
1: an article in the nineteen seventy five Wisdom.
0: He did. I'd, I'd almost forgotten about that. And I, when I went back to it, it, it did. It seemed very personal. I, I don't think
1: some inquiry wrote it. it. It really reads as if he wrote it. And it has the quote: "Watching cricket without wisdom is almost as unthinkable as batting without pads." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, perhaps that should be on the front cover. <laughs>
1: So it would,
2: I think the curious way, just in his listing, is sort of a reflection of democracy in cricket. Um, you just sort of go through, go through the end of the D's, Dolly, Dormer, Downey—a very sad entry, uh, somebody who died very young. Dutter, and then suddenly Edinburgh, the Prince Philip, Duke of KG KT OBE <laughs> AC QSO PC. Yeah. You know just like p c like a...
1: stood for politically correct by the way <laughs> um
2: i always love the um, i love the final his final quotation he's his last contribution to cricket opening the Warner stand at lord's and he says you're you are watching the world's most experienced plaque unveiler yeah <laughs>
1: And then shortly after the Duke, we get um, David Foote. I, I love beautiful obituary. Who wrote that one? Uh, David? Uh, I think that
0: was Matthew Engel. He, he he tends to do the well done, Engel the media people. And of course, he's a brilliant writer, which, which helps. And he would have known David Foote very well because they were both on the Guardian together.
1: I mean, what, what was so wonderful, it, it was almost the reverse of the Duke, because what you it brought out, apart, David Foote wasn't just a wonderful writer about cricket, but he wrote about so much else, which we didn't know, I had no idea about, including a book called Lady's Mile. Yes, ghosted right. memoirs of a lavatory attendant in Bristol's Twilight Zone, <laughs> which sounds quite a good read, actually.
0: Not in many cricket libraries, but... Uh... <laughs> no, I, I didn't know about that either.
2: Looking at the obituaries in general this year, uh, Stephen, I counted two hundred and three, which is very slightly, if I'm right, it's slightly down on two hundred and twenty-six last year. Six COVID deaths I noticed uh, against fifteen in
0: 2021, which is yeah. um, some sort of. Um, it's um, it's a longer section, I think. It's 80 pages or something, which is yeah, yeah, a big chunk of the book. I, I, I'm surprised the number is down, but maybe the. The length of you're doing of more,
2: them. um, you're saying more about each um case. Um,
0: I, I suppose so. The, the there are some very long ones, mm. people like Ted Dexter and railing with yes, were well, some great, bound cr- to be long.
2: There's some great cricketers which will come to who died last year. Just I don't, I don't like to sound like Squire Haggard discussing the mortalities, um, <laughs> but um, just looking at the causes of death, one violent death. Or Mr. Bascom, two suicides, one of them a groundsman, one terrible accident to an umpire, one notice at least mentions alcohol in the uh, alcoholism in the course of contributed to death and Bruce Taylor, who's a very fine um, New Zealand test all rounder in the seventies, mentions his you know passage on into gambling and fraud. It seems to me that um obituaries have got less reticent uh, than they used to be uh, and they're more willing to talk about um well tragic episodes or weaknesses in the um uh, in the person's life
0: i suppose so i think that's a general general thing in the book possibly but uh, um we don't exactly shy away from it hopefully we don't make too much of it either uh, but it rounds out the, the story the taylor story this hmm. is quite a bit it's quite a Sad one. He 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 was estranged from his family because of this gambling habit. Uh, he, he went to jail for a while. I think he was accused of. He did yes. guilty of embezzlement. So he did. And then he ca- came out, rebuilt his life, and, and lost a leg to gangrene. So he had a he uh, the end of his life was quite quite tough.
1: And actually, um, a lot of lessons to be learnt from it. It's an illness, not really a moral mm-hmm. problem yeah. in a way. And the, he the way he recovered uh, is is immense. He's, he's another one,
0: getting back to the cricket, who's, who would have been a complete star in 2020. Uh, you, you, you come across quite a lot of those who these days would have been absolute household names, probably.
2: Mm. Prompts the thought, actually, that great Gary Sobers had his career before there was serious money to be made in, in the game, uh, and, and the um, before incomes went up and as a result of one-day cricket. Yeah. Well, he had most of it, any, most of his career at any rate
0: in um, one one day international, I think I think so that's right, yes. Might, might even have got a duck
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, and and I notice also that um again you're trying to uh, kind of recapture the history of um women cricketers and you trying to sort of rebalance the um the coverage in favour of women very interesting as it were for, I hate to put it this way forgotten woman um countess baldwin figures um mm. in this year. Mrs. Stanley Baldwin, she became a future Prime minister, Stanley fell in love with her, scoring watching a score of fifty in women's cricket for the white heather yeah. Club and Then I love the story of the fact that she, during the general strike, she just convened him when her husband was rather busy, she convenes a meeting at the White Heather club in in number ten, you know that sort of keeps a, <laughs> keeps a balance of things um procures a knighthood for Julian Kahn for very good cause for subsidising a maternity hospital, which seems to be a better better standard of patronage than Boris Johnson.
0: Which <laughs> uh, should perhaps explain, since she died in 1945, that, that that's a little series we started two or three years ago to, as you say, to try and redress the balance. People who might have gotten obituary in Wisden at the time, but didn't because they, well, women's cricket wasn't taken as seriously as it is now. So, yeah. uh, and, and this was, as you say, I don't think I knew about it. Baldwin's wife, and now now we know a little bit more.
2: Well, and one detail about her, if I may, just not to do with not to do with cricket, particularly. But their oldest son, Oliver, became not only a was not only a Labour MP, in opposition, and actually opposed his father in one one Parliament, but was was also gay. But she and Stanley Baldwin stayed on very good terms with him, uh, and with and with his male lover. Uh, which was I didn't know I th- that but by the standard of by the standard of the times
1: it's really quite quite enlightened of them not just quite enlightened it's uh, immensely enlightened in the 1930s and it's it, it's a it shows a paradox about Stanley Baldwin you know you he know, has the image of this very traditional squararchical prime minister but actually he, he nursed the Labour Labour Party into government in a way he he believed in holding different views and and I, the tolerance, and, and actually, it symbolises a lot of what he stood for. That his son, oldest son Oliver, was he was welcomed, even though he had stood against him for the opposition party. And I hadn't known that detail about him being gay. Mm. It's yeah. very important and remarkable, given it was against the law, etc. At that yeah, time, yeah, it was,
2: it was criminal. But they stayed. They as I say, they stayed. They were on good terms, not only with him, but with his with his male partner. Yeah, isn't that yeah. fascinating? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Unlike their cousin. Rudyard Kipling, who repudiated him. Um, some other um, wonderful tribute. Uh, while we're in the kind of women's sections, wonderful tribute to Eileen Ash, yeah, well, um, oldest test cricketer of all time, 110. Um, I loved the detail of her deciding to play cricket to get some time off the civil service, <laughs> and a wonderful <laughs> yeah, list of did. things that she decided to do after at the age of a hundred. <laughs>
1: yeah. is she the only? MI6 operative to play uh, be, to play cricket at the high, at the highest level. Richard, do we know
2: well, the only one we've ever the only one we've heard about? Yes. <laughs> um, I can only say uh, slight, um, slightly tangential to this, but um, Tom King was um, former de- Defence Northern Ireland Secretary. Um I think we both played with. Tom King always used to pick cricketers as a special branch minders. <laughs> so they're, they're, represent, they're certainly represented in that service. Cricketers are certainly represented in that service. Tom King, you know, when the vacancies came, came up, came up. Tom King would say, you know, I, I want an off-spinner and a middle-order batsman this year,
1: please. <laughs> yes, yep. for his special branch escort, yes. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, a couple of others caught my eye. Mrs Lily Laker, Jim Laker's widow, a 102.
0: Oh yes. We we, we I, I was quite surprised at that. I didn't know she was still alive. Um but yep. she passed away what thirty something years after Jim. Mm, yep. And she was I think she was from Austria. And she, she knew basically nothing about cricket. Indeed. And uh yep. but survived him for so long. Yep.
2: I also like um enjoyed reading about model Susan Shaw. Who <laughs> Uh, who Gets in for wearing hot pants and a Jimmy, Jiminy Cricket T-shirt to promote the <laughs>
0: 1975 World Cup. Well, also I, I was taken by that, not particularly by the, not not exclusively by the hot pants, but I think that was about the only um, promotion for the 1975 World Cup at all. Um, hmm. Just her in a Jiminy Cricket T-shirt and on a very cold day. I think it was by the look of it. She was, oh. it looked like she was freezing. And uh, and that was it. And they had to do it at the Oval because the Lords wouldn't allow it.
2: <laughs> and yet another name, uh, woman that caught my eye. Um, I think I counted incidentally fifteen against um, 188 men. But it's still more than more women than before. Um, CK Nayadu's daughter, the first woman to commentate on cricket in in India. Yeah, um, hmm.
0: he he was well, basically their first test captain in 1932. So uh, so she was also a fair old age. He was still playing first-class cricket when he was 60-something.
1: C.K. Naidu is a hero of Richard and my book on Pakistan cricket because in 1947, when the immensely distinguished fast bowler, fast medium bowler, Fazal Mahmood, was travelling from the Indian cricket camp in in, uh, in Pune to, to, to Bombay to try and get back to um, what had then become Pakistan, there were terrible um, mobs and, and violence. And CK Nayudu defended, a, a Hindu mob wanted to kill uh, the Muslim um, Fazal Mahmood. And, and CK Nayudu fended them off uh, with a cricket bat um, on that train. And uh, so I, he was a great figure, a great, a great, heroic figure, as well as being a great batsman. Um, Stephen, I noticed quite a few centenarians
2: uh, in the list this year, including um, Captain Tom, who's a cricket lover. Um, somebody, Peter, might have might have come across Norman Lush of the Leprechauns um, Cricket Club. Did you ever meet him, Peter? I think I must age have Aged a I... hundred. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. I. I. Um we used to play uh, every year at st columba where he was a really distinguished headmaster it's a sort of boarding school outside outside dublin with an extraordinary cricket pitch actually which <laughs> on on the left on one side is it's basically a bank going up directly so to hit a six you have to get it right over the bank not just um, uh, to the boundary and uh, it's uh, and then he was president of the leprechauns which we've been playing for 40 years um, which is the kind of Ireland's equivalent of the Free Foresters. So, yes, I'm, I'm certain uh, we, we met him.
2: But also, um, Stephen, we notice a lot of several cricketers who died tragically young. Um, Joshua Downey, who was a club cricketer of 24. Kunan Singh from Nepal. Parida, who was just 19, super express fast bowler from rural India. Ed Glover, just 18, uh, school and a club cricketer in a road accident. Um Aaron Green, twenty six, captain of the Sussex Disability side. Um all cricketers very young in their career who hadn't obviously reached first class cricket or cricket to any level. How did they um how did they come to your attention?
0: Uh, some, sometimes we're told about them, some somebody emails us or writes us a letter. There, there's a lot that come on that are just mentioned on Twitter. We're set up to spot that sort of thing. I think the Aaron Green was tweeted out by Middlesex or Sussex. I think he joined Middlesex. I think it came from them. Uh, Ed Glover was in uh, somewhere in Kent and he, he was talked about a lot because he was a very promising young player. He'd just won a match with his reverse sweep mm-hmm. and was killed somehow in an accident on the way home. All mm-hmm. tragic stuff.
1: To add to that tragic list, um, Wisden rightly commemorates, and it's a reminder of... the the terrible events, you know, wasn't it John Arles who called cricket the great triviality, triviality, but, you know, Nazar Sahak, uh, who was killed in a bomb attack near Kabul airport on August the 26, 2021, a 20-year-old all-rounder who played in the youth team of Afghanistan. Well, and, uh, you know, had the whole world ahead of him and then was blown to pieces. How did you find out about him, um, Stephen?
0: I think, again, that was, that came from the Afghan Board or possibly some of the players, the, the players who are often on Twitter, people like Rashid Khan would would be would know him or would have known him and would have paid some sort of tribute. That so we, mm-hmm. we we spot a lot that way.
2: Tragic thing. I mean, what this um, obviously must mean a very great deal to their um, to their families. Do you have more candidates for inclusion submitted to you than you're able to put in?
0: Um. I don't think so. Um, I suppose you have to have a sort of mental selection process, I suppose. Mm. Um, I, I reckon that almost every club has a stalwart player who if they happen to die or had been playing for 50 years and then umpiring or something, you, it's just really impossible to put all of those in. Mm. Uh, so we, we have a sort of uh, a system at the end where sometimes we go through and think, well, maybe there's a bit too many of these and you, you you might take a couple out. I don't know. I can't think of any this year.
1: Obviously, I wouldn't
0: say the names if I remember. Well, these
1: stalwarts, I think they should go in. Somebody who plays 50 years of the same village and then yeah. ends up running. I think they deserve we, we, to get in.
0: We, we do put a lot of them in. I I, I don't mean we weed a lot out, but uh, we. I suppose we don't go actively looking for them. I, I, I think... I think the club that I played for for years, there would be a couple of people who might be candidates to go in and, and I don't know. I, I don't know it would be terribly interesting if there were three on each page, but
1: I don't I know what they mean.
0: Yeah. But um, it, it certainly adds depth to
2: um, the obituary coverage to put um, people like that in. And as uh, as I say, mean obviously means a lot to their um, the family and friends of, um, of victims who are less well-known in the cricket world. A name that really catches my eye and I'd love to know how he came to your attention Cassiem Morgamat I, I can't even pronounce his name necessarily <laughs> pronounce his name correctly Mr Cassiem um an unlikely hero Newlands um he sold ice cream around the crown. um you know it's a wonderful tribute to him um being such a popular ice cream salesman but um I just wonder how how did he um how did he how did he come to your attention?
0: Uh, well, they they for a start they gave him a ward, not uh, an award, not long before he died. Um, there's a plaque up at Newlands now, and there was a quite a star-studded ceremony for his for his involvement there. So they they uh, they had already honoured him. I don't know mm. if they knew he was ill. He, um, I'm not, not quite sure what he died of. He was uh, 67, so I don't know yes. whether he was ill. But he, they, they, they there was a, a ceremony. Ashwell Prince was there, and
1: uh, his, his his signature. Um, was a, a lolly to make you jolly and um i met loads of characters like that at newlands when i was researching basil D'Oliveira's biography because it was full of old timers who had been because cassian would have, of course he, i i I'm, f- I'm figuring he was he was what they probably called coloured in those days uh, but uh, you know we're stuck in the cage uh, they were he he, he uh, before apartheid was was lifted he would have been a very um you know, he'd have been a, a prescribed from going to the, the, the posh areas. And or they were so cheerful and so strong and loved their cricket while being despised by so many of the white uh, crowd, um, that they were wonderful characters. I, I remember, how, I wish I could remember his name. I had a long conversation with the guy who operated the scoreboard at Newlands. And the love of the game just gleams out of them, and the love of humanity. So I was really glad to see that uh, Cassiem getting in.
2: It is, it is, uh, looking at his um, notice, he, he seems to have started selling ice cream when he was 12 years old.
1: <laughs> so that would have been about... Uh, we're talking about the mid-60s, aren't we? So, yeah.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so he that that was deep in the darkest year. In fact, in the very darkest years of apartheid, he was there. Selling ice cream mainly, to, I guess, to the whites. But he would have been very limited to where he could go. Mm,
2: yep. Very nice tribute to Peter Wynne Thomas. A very fine historian, archivist, disciple of our great disciple. Our hero. Our hero, Major Bowen, a great cricket historian. Um
1: oh, yes. More yep. than disciple, he was a protégé. Protégé, made, yes. I hadn't read the fascinating detail. Mm,
2: yeah. Yep. Um, wrote a very fine book about, um, Peter Wynne Thomas, that is, about... Um, um, the hard-drinking Arthur Carr, who was captain of Nottinghamshire, who nurtured Lawood and, and Voss, introduced Harold Larwood to drink um, as part of his upbringing. Um, but a very, very interesting
0: um, character, who, um, I keep asking this, but who wrote his, who wrote, uh, his tribute? Uh, this one was my colleague, another one of our deputy editors, Harriet, Harriet Monkhouse, who had a lot to do, well, she has a lot to do with the... Association of Cricket Statisticians, and she knew him pretty well, uh, so she has broken her rule of not writing and did.
1: Could you extend our congratulations? It's beautifully done. Yeah,
0: it's know. very nice. He he uh, he really ventured outside Trent Bridge and he didn't really do email. <laughs> and as the picture in the book shows, he usually operated on a uh, old manual typewriter. So he was he was about as old school as they come. Um.
2: We'd perhaps better move on now to some of the great cricketers There were and there were some great losses last year very full tributes to ted dexter railingworth alan Davidson um uh, australia who wrote those um stephen they were, um they're very full and and um i thought very particularly illuminating about illingworth
0: uh, yeah so railingworth is uh, was by richard whitehead who's who who helps with a lot of the uh, the English ones, and the Kent ones. He's a Kent fan, so he, he uh, tends to do the Kent ones, like Derek Ufton, which is quite nice, late on. Mm, so yes. uh, Illingworth, who, who died, uh, sadly, on Christmas Day, so that was quite a late one to fit in, a huge one. Um, that meant that Dexter, which he was about to do, uh, fell in my lap, so that was exciting but daunting at the same time, because you sit down and you think, my God. <laughs> This is a, a huge figure. How do you do justice to him? And he wasn't just a cricketer, Ted Dexter. He was a, a major figure after playing cricket. Selector, administrator, commentator on television and cricket writer.
1: Mm. And Chairman of selectors.
0: Uh, yeah, chairman of selectors. Invented the, ra- invented the rankings.
1: I remember, do you remember the press conference when the um, annoying sun... Co- there would be some sort of scandal involving English cricketers and women. And uh, the, the press, uh, the uh, the sun said, "What's your policy on women?" And, and pre- look, Dexter, Dexter looked imperiously. "Done. I hope they're pretty." <laughs> wow. He, he was he was a bit like the Duke of Edinburgh. Dexter was he? <laughs> he couldn't give a damn. Marvelous. He was uh,
0: a recognisable figure around Lords, always very well dressed and dapper, except when he got off his motorbike, which he <laughs> often arrived there on.
1: We were very privileged. We had a, he came on our podcast. We were very lucky, weren't we, Richard? We would be very privileged. Yeah,
0: he was. Um, it
2: might have been virtually the last interview he gave, but it was just It was coincide with his um, second autobiography, 85 Not Out. Uh, yes,
0: I, I wondered if that was a record because it was about 55 years after his first autobiography. I wondered if anybody else had managed that. Yeah. That's, uh, yes, he had quite a lot more to add to it,
2: uh, to the first one. He was very proud of all his achievements off the field. Uh, Ted Dexter, you know, particularly in things... Um, he, he lists some of them at the end of that book. Promoting one-day cricket. Um, keeping bats made of wood. Uh, he attributes himself to that. Um, the ICC player rating system. Four-day county cricket and so on. First central contracts for England players. He's um very proud of... Um, having created the spirit of cricket, rather indignant that it had been attributed to Colin Cowdery. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, I was fascinated by one detail in Ray Illingworth's um, obituary. Uh, well, actually two. First of all, that he went on serving the game as a, what we now call a curator after retirement. Um, he went on tending tending the pitch uh, at his local club for for, for years. But um, just as statistic he um had the longest unbeaten record uh of a new captain of england well of any of them uh it took longer for anyone to defeat him in a test match in which he was captain than anybody else
1: i uh, do you know i think that railingworth is underrated uh, he i think he was the greatest english captain by a country mile since world war Two, and i probably well before that as well um I, I have a long interview with uh, Raylingworth when I was researching my book on D'Oliveira. and what you got from that was how tough he was he saw off the selectors he, he told me how in 1970 after that rest, great rest of the world series which were probably England did superbly to hold the rest of the world for so long and 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 and, and the chairman of the selectors Bedser so goes to Lingworth says we're going to drop D'Oliveira in the fifth test Dolivira performed really well. He said, "Well, uh, you're not." He said, "I want to give Amos a chance." And uh, and uh, and and Illingworth said to Bedser, "Look, if you're going to do that, only on one condition that I'm able to tell Dolivira that he's going to Australia this winter, guaranteed." And he saw off Bedser, and he stood up for Dolivira, and then I interviewed Dolivira about this. Dolivira was really interesting. He said, "Yeah." Illingworth told me that, but he also told me one other thing. He said, I've stood up for you. I've got you in the team. Now, don't let me down. I mean, he was a leader of men, Illingworth, unlike so many other England captains.
0: <laughs> um, he, he was also very an analytical person. I, I was taken, I'm not sure if it made it into the obituary, but he was He was asked about DRS and the effect it's had on off spinners, And he he thought about it a little while and he, he he reckoned if if DRS had been in in his career he'd have taken 520 more first class wickets and and wow. i thought this was a fantastic a lot of spinners number. say that but <laughs> but <laughs> 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 But most people would say, oh, about 400 or 500. They wouldn't think Oh, I see. Say so 520, as if, as if he had noted them down somewhere.
2: <laughs> yes, every, every, every bad appeal, um, every yeah. wrongly rejected appeal he must have, he must have oh, noted down. He did make
0: it in there. I, I've just found it. He declared yes. with typical precision that he would have had 520 more. <laughs> yep. and, and his figures were pretty good anyway, 2,000 wickets at 20. So that's actually probably better than people might remember. It is actually uh, he, always
2: uh, um, always accused of under bowling himself as a captain.
0: Yes, that's right. We well, did have Derek Underwood in the
1: side, which was which was quite a handy true substitute. And his batting, his batting was superb as England captain. Yeah. On. yeah, one of the things he's one of those captains who got much better uh, when they became, were made captain, like Imran Khan. His batting mm. average went stratospheric as captain of England compared to what went before.
0: Yeah, he's got a couple of hundreds. He was a top scorer in that World Eleven. well, England's top scorer
1: in the World Eleven series you we were talking about. Yeah, again and again, he and Alan Knott would dig England out of trouble. <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, very moving obituary uh, this year is um, Alan Eggleston. Uh, you know, absolutely tremendous uh, contribution uh, that he made to, um, to the brain tumour charity after his career had been um, ended by a brain tumour.
0: Yes, yeah, he he'd been ill for a long time, but still, uh, still carried on. There were golf days and things until quite not long before he died, and uh, it's noticeable. that No one has a bad word word for him. He's a bit like Jack Hobbs in that respect. You can't find anyone who who didn't like him, and uh, yes, yeah, very tragic. He probably should have played more for England than he did.
1: I very much like. Um, there's lots so there's so much. It's so full of most. Lovely detail these obituaries. I mean, Michael Hendrick, who, one of the again very underrated, a superb bowler, and so such a great, uh, fascinating obituary. And, and the and the stoicism and the humor of the man, what comes up when Mike Atherton rings him up uh, for the times to write about him for the times just before he dies. In fact, two weeks before he dies. How are you? Says Atherton. I'm in the departure land, says Hendrick. <laughs> But the flight has not quite left yet. Well, that's stoicism of two weeks to go, isn't it?
0: There, there was a very nice picture I saw somewhere. The, the 1981, a lot of the 1981 England side uh, went up and met him in a pub, basically to say goodbye. Uh, and uh, that picture appeared somewhere. I, I think we couldn't get it for this, but uh, Ian Botham and Jeff Boycott were there, Bob Taylor. That, that, a lot of that 1981 uh, team it was a, quite a poignant picture.
1: On the subject of both of them, I loved the, the victory of um, Kenneth Lawrence, the you know the sports editor of the Daily Express, one of the good guys in our business. <laughs> and uh, when he when he became PR, he was waiting PR for the predecessor of the ECB, the Inglestad County Cricket Board. <laughs> and there was an almighty bust-up between Jabed Miandad and both them. They virtually came to blows. They spat blood at each other. And most press officers would have gone right, oh, no, nothing happened, nothing happened, no, no, no. But he gave a, a technicolour account to the press box yeah. <laughs> and was promptly sacked for his pains. Oh, he's a man after my own heart. Yep. Uh, that's
0: right, that's one of Matthews. Matthew would have been there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Matthew Engel again, yeah. yeah, he knows how to write these things.
0: Uh, get the impression,
1: uh, Stephen,
2: there are more cricket writers and journalists and commentators and photographers represented
0: this year than before only an impression but um. I think it was just a sort of unfortunate year Um, I I I sort of find that there are minor themes going on every year that sometimes there's a lot of New Zealand test players and sometimes a lot of Indian left arm spinners or something and and this year there were there was quite a quite a lot of press box departures there was Martin Johnson who was very funny Mm. John Woodcock of course and and Ken Lawrence, who wouldn't have been generally known to the public, perhaps, but yeah. but very significant in inside the press books.
2: Mm. Steve Whiting, the son, had a very um, uh, a lot of tragedies in his life, mishaps, uh, more mishaps, a lot of misfortune, tragedy in his life, didn't he? Uh, let's recorded record in there.
0: Yes, he um, he finished up with multiple sclerosis, but he. He had a, he'd already, we talked about Botham, he'd had a run-in with Botham earlier in his career and he was uh, He was writing for paper. With the son who then signed both them up as their columnist and Botham said, fine, but I'm not working with him. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, his run-in was interesting he, as the son... I can see this. It's again fascinating. Probably another one of um, Matthew Engel's accounts. So, as a Sun reporter, he's the one who blows the gaff on late night drinking on the eighty-one-two tour of Australia, uh, and quite right. Both of them, when he w- said to the Sun when he was signed a few years later, "It's me or Whiting, not having both," and that was the end of Whiting. And good, <laughs> good riddance. Um, I, I'm sorry to say that, speak ill of the dead, but I'm on the side of Mr. Botham there.
2: Yeah, he also fell out with Robert Maxwell. Yeah.
1: <laughs> very sp-
2: not alone there. Yeah, not alone there. Fell out with um, uh, yes, but Maxwell. Um, very sad bereavement in his life, and then as you said, multiple sclerosis. Very, very hard,
1: a very hard life. We just touched on John Woodcock. I mean, who I think was the greatest prose stylist of the post-war era in all journalism, let alone uh, cricket, just cricket journalism. And there was so much to learn. Who, who wrote the Woodcock obituary? He really uh, this, deserved this it.
0: This was one of Richard's. He knew him quite well. Uh, Richard used to work on The Times. In fact, he was in charge of the obituaries in The Times. And, Sorry, Richard. And he knew Richard Whitehead. Yeah. And he knew uh, John Woodcock pretty well. He was he used to pop round there yeah. sometimes to Long Parish, as I think you mentioned last week.
1: There's two things which stand out from it. One is... I'm very, very impressed by his fourth class degree in geography at Oxford. I, I, that 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 is Willie White. Willie Whitelaw had a special in land economy from Cambridge, and I think those there are certain degrees which carry with you a great deal of merit. And that one, and the other, which I did, I hadn't realised, was that he was sponsored by Swanton. And so, although we like to be rude about Swanton, he he was a talent spotter. He mm. brought uh, John Wilcock into cricket journalism. And of course, Woodcock then brought blowers into cricket journalism. So you have the sort of apostolic succession succession <laughs> of, of Swanton, Woodcock, and uh, and Henry Blowfeld, which I, I like. What he what a writer he was though, uh, Woodcock. Yeah,
0: indeed. And originally, not not acknowledged because the Times didn't put the names in, did they? So.
1: Ah, cricket correspondent. So, yes, our cricket correspondent. So for
0: a while, you wouldn't even have known. I think that's when he's. Richard.
1: Well, Stephen, can I suggest a, a project between the three of us? Um, Woodcock, in my view, was a beautiful writer. Uh, and you can actually, I, when I have researched books, I've always been able to tell when, when he's writing, even though he hasn't got his name on it, because there's that precision, that Evelyn Waugh nicety of, uh, of choice of words and language. And I think we need to uh, honour him with a selection of, of, of articles going back over his magnificent... Historic career, um, don't you think? A, a, a book of of Woodcock's work, well, Chim- uh, it, it may well do. Uh,
0: we have to get onto the Times, I guess.
1: <laughs> and the the other sad thing, I'm sure they'd be happy. I mean, it's uh, it, it's it's an important thing to do. I, somebody should do it. The other po- interesting point, I I went to um, I talked to him once about this. I said, why don't you write an autobiography? Which he never would do. And I said, and he said, oh, I couldn't. I've I've known so many. I, I know, been privy to too many confidences it wouldn't be right to to, to 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 share them with the world and i said well give me an example uh, and he was just it was just his wonderful old-fashioned english gentleman sensibility he said well you know the 90 was it 1956 seven tour of australia of south africa yeah um peter peter may was captain and Graveney was there but he wouldn't put him in the team and and they even get they got out Jim Parks instead and you know I asked he said I asked sir uh, Peter May and he said I don't trust him I don't trust his temperament and he wouldn't that's the sort of thing which he felt he couldn't put into an autobiography and, and, and it's so old fashioned and lovely mm. that and, but you know because he would have written the most beautiful autobiography
0: he's he's less well known isn't he than Arlott and Swanton because of The lack of books, I think, and and possibly because of the special correspondent business at the start, but he's certainly up there with them.
1: I I think he's way above them, as a writer, as just as a Uh, uh, Yes, probably as a writer.
0: Uh, Arlott was a bit clunky as a writer. He's way above all of
1: us as a writer. He's just, he's quite exceptional. And I think that he he needs to be greater. I I think some sort of book ought to be produced to recognise that.
2: Mm. Do you know? I've a feeling. I've I, I a feeling it's in hand, but I, I can't pin the details down. I Can't bring the details to mind. But I, I think it's already. It's already. Oh, good. Been, I think somebody's doing it, and I can't remember when. But if not, it certainly should be done. All
0: right. We'll keep an eye out. Yeah,
2: Stephen. Um, we've talked touched briefly on the people who are not great cricketers, but are cricket lovers or have a cricket connection. And a few of uh, quite a few of these, um, uh, in this year's obituaries. Michael Apted, the film director, David Buckingham, a great chemist. Uh, well, we touched on Edinburgh, Duke of um, <laughs> Cheryl Gillan, MP. Um, I actually played for her at Rodine for um, Parliament's team, the Lords and Commons. Um, uh, Jimmy Greaves. Um, no, Jimmy Greaves was a, was a, a cricket lover. Uh, his, Uh, His sort of replacement, Jeff Hurst, in the 66 World Cup, actually played for Essex, didn't he? But I I hadn't been aware of Jimmy Greaves as a cricket lover.
0: Uh, Yes, he was was perhaps a less good player than uh, Hurst, but uh, he was very keen. Apparently, he watched a lot. Mm. Spent his last day watching T20 finals day on the telly. Oh, did he? Uh, Yeah. There's a famous picture of the 66 World Cup Squad playing cricket the day before the final, which I don't suppose they'd be allowed to these days. No. And uh, I think Greaves is in that. Bobby Moore was a pretty good cricketer too.
1: I mean, they would have been fine cricketers. Trained, with, imagine they would have trained with Essex, wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. I, the um, uh, Desmond Tutu, another one uh, who peripherally involved with cricket, but very centrally. He, he, he. Desmond Tutu gave the spirit of cricket lecture at Lords, you know, and he linked. The sense, this is such an important thing to remember, I think, is sometimes forgotten by people who ought to know better. You know, the league, the cricket, the spirit of cricket with humanity's respect for decency.
0: Yes, he was one of the rare people to deliver that lecture at Lord's. He wasn't a cricketer. It was Stephen Fry again last year. Apparently, Desmond Tutu came up with Rainbow Nation as, mm. as his vision of South And
1: of course, uh, the Lords, the, the Lords, the man at the gate, at Lords barred him from the pavilion because he wasn't properly dressed with his, <laughs> in his Archbishop's equipment, archbishop with his <laughs> dog collar, etc. You had to wear a, you had to have a hideous tie mm. and a blazer to on. get in.
0: <laughs> I slightly wondered about that one. I did ask someone whether it was true because there must have been the occasional clergyman tried to get in there before.
1: And he said, well, he says it's true. So, <laughs> <laughs> Some stories are too good not to print, aren't they? Well, yeah, I think,
0: I, I can't remember if I put a word in to sort of suggest that we weren't entirely sure about that.
1: <laughs> as
2: to the famous people connected with cricket, Wisdom seems to me in the old days had a, a style of mentioning only the cricketing parts of their lives and the, the really famous things as an afterthought. I mean, notoriously with Samuel Beckett. um, You know, it goes into his cricket achievements with Ireland, uh, in Ireland, um, and adds as an afterthought that he later devoted himself to literature, eventually winning the Nobel Prize. Um, But now there seems to be a very... Different and and much more accurate style of commemorating the people for what they really did, but just mentioning their their cricket sort of incidentally. Um, is that the way you you know um, you know plan the the, that, the famous well, people?
0: I, I think that's the way we've done them as long as I've been involved. I, I think the big change probably came in when Matthew Engel took over as editor, which I think was about nineteen ninety three. I think if you look before that, they, they tend to be a bit. Factual on cricket and leaving out the the Nobel prizes, but (laughs) uh, since then I think they've been more more like a newspaper would do, probably uh, because of because of the connection that Matthew had and and since on that subject,
1: I mean, you have um, one of the most momentous figures of the second half of the twentieth century in 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 the obituaries, Abdul Qadir Khan, A.Q. Khan, the. the founder of Pakistan's nuclear program and defined by George Tenet, the CIA director, as at least as dangerous as Osama bin Laden. And you Mm. have a note in his cricket, Um, (laughs) of course. uh, Now, Richard and I, in in our book, White on Green, um, there's an interview with A.Q. Khan, uh, which is a remarkable document. We tried to interview him ourselves, but... Richard, what happened? Can you remember? Well,
2: eventually, uh, our very good friend and collaborator, um, Najib Latif, was able to procure an interview with him and wrote it up very. We wrote it up in full because it gave a very uh, accurate picture, not just of um, his love of cricket, but it gave a picture of um, what you might call upper class social life in in Pakistan. Uh, They had a very nice tea party, and so we put it all in. It is a remarkable document. I mean, it just. Uh, rather, in the old style of uh, wisdom obituaries, you know, A.Q. Khan was, you know, it, was almost, it really concentrates on his contributions to cricket, in Pakistan, which are quite considerable, and rather, um, rather downplays his um, contribution to its, um, its nuclear deterrent. But it's, it's, it's I think. Very, uh, very instructive. Very.
1: Uh, it's very interesting how he kept up with the cricket schools while he was working, sort of undercover, as it were, at various atomic laboratories in continental Europe in the sixties, learning his craft. Uh, the um, and that sort of thing. He's he he gave us a wonderful review in the in one of the I speaking papers. He really praised uh, our work, didn't he, Richard? We have a.
2: Yes, yeah, very generous of him. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: um, and the other Pakistani, uh, and again, you know, we, we travel, we flow gently down the stream of life, not generally troubling the scorers as writers. But Richard and I feel very proud of one contribution we've made. It justifies our interest, don't you think, Richard, with Iffy Bakari, our, the, the, our great friend Iffy? Well, we, re- we remedied an injustice this year. <laughs> yes it's
2: actually remedied twice over once in his, his actual obituary notice and once in the errata in Wisdom. but um our friend Afi, our late friend efpicory is restored to his place at the top of the first uh, pakistan cricket averages uh, in 1962 um, when his beginnings is um, finally and justly recorded as retired hurt and not as uh,
1: and not as a dismissal and that means, of course, that rather than being second in the batting averages, uh, to A.H. Uh, Carter, the great A.H. Ca- Pakistan captain, he came top of the batting averages that year. Quite right, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And this was a grievance, um, which or a, a misfortune, which he'd borne with fortitude, but not that he had mentioned it occasionally, hadn't he, Richard? Well, uh,
2: <laughs> more than occasionally.
1: Um, <laughs> it, it came up
2: um, virtually every conversation um, <laughs> it's in, at some point or another. So it's... Uh, He's been given retrospective justice. Um, He
1: he was a very distinguished man. He went on to become a senior minister in in, in the government of Pakistan. He was a very distinguished man of enormous personal generosity, and we honour the memory of Epi Bakari. Very much so. I'm glad we finally got it right, (laughs) definitely. Stephen Lynch, it was a joy to talk to you. I'd love to talk for several more hours about all of the very rich material that you've assembled. this year you know it's not just about cricket it's about life it's about humanity uh, it's full of insight and rich stories of the tragedies and the joys and the achievements of people who are blessed by their connection however remote to the game of cricket so thank you for what you've done indeed
0: well thank you very much i'm, I'm glad that we've that it, it, it seems to have worked uh, it's, a, it's a very big well, that's a very big part of my year to, to be doing it, and it's, uh, and we we like to get it right. It's obviously not not somewhere you want to be making too many mistakes or missing people out. So hopefully we've got them all in. Well,
2: and hope so. But um, it, what you have got in, um, Stephen, is as Peter said, it's a rich panorama of of of, of the drama that's associated with cricket. I would say. Year after year, almost every entry in Wisdom's obituary, even the short ones, is the subject of a potential novel. Uh, <laughs> mm. and, very good. Um, it's um, wonderful to have you with us again, and um, uh, thank you again for joining us. Yeah, It's been a great pleasure.
0: Thank you very much. I can't believe it's a year since we did this. <laughs> uh, uh, flies, it flies by, yes. Uh,
1: taking, Taking some great people with it, unfortunately. Mm. It's a Peter O'Bourne saying goodbye from... It's getting dark here in Wiltshire.
2: Um, Goodbye uh, from me, Richard Heller. It's uh, always been a bit overcast in south-east London. uh, The skies are probably darkening a bit more. (laughs)